Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Biden and former President Donald Trump will both visit the southern border in Texas today. Their dueling visits reflecting the significance of the border issue in 2024. NPR's Frank Ordonez reports on how Democrats hope this will play out. The rare visit by the president reflects a new offensive approach Biden is taking on one of his greatest political liabilities. Evan Roth Smith, a Democratic pollster for the political strategy group Blueprint, says the trip is an opportunity to counter the narrative that Democrats are soft on immigration and attack House Republicans for blocking a bipartisan agreement at Trump's urging that would have tightened rules for asylum and given more money to hire more border agents. The politics of it are fantastic for Democrats, uh, and they're horrible for Republicans, and they're personally difficult for Donald Trump because he's the one who tanked this deal. Biden says Trump torpedoed the deal in order to score political points. Franco Ordonez, NPR News. Trump, meanwhile, is expected to continue his attacks on the Biden administration's immigration policies when he visits Eagle Pass today. He's expected to rally supporters with accusations that a surge in migration increases security threats to U.S. citizens. President Biden is now saying there probably won't be a temporary ceasefire in Gaza by Monday, walking back his assessment earlier this week. And he added he believed negotiations toward a temporary truce will be complicated by reports of more deadly violence in Gaza today. At the White House earlier, Biden said he was still waiting for more details of those reports. We're checking that out right now. There's two, there's two competing versions of what happened. At least 104 Palestinians were killed in northern Gaza. This coming as the health ministry in Gaza says the overall death toll in the enclave has surpassed 30,000 Palestinians since Israel began its offensive. NPR's Fatma Tanis has more from Tel Aviv. A crowd of Palestinians were gathered waiting for humanitarian aid in Gaza City when they were hit by Israeli fire, according to Gaza health officials. At least 280 people were injured. Many of them rushed to be treated at Al-Shifa Hospital, which has been struggling to deal with the volume of casualties with limited doctors and medical supplies available. An Israeli official said the crowd approached Israeli forces who were escorting aid trucks, quote, in a manner that posed a threat to the troops who responded to the threat with live fire. Gaza City is largely isolated with little to no aid reaching Palestinians there who are desperately in need of drinkable water and food. Fatma Tanis, NPR News, Tel Aviv. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 58 points at 38,893. From Washington, this is NPR News. NPR has received exclusive access to tour a research farm breeding cloned pigs that have been genetically modified to provide organs for transplantation in humans. NPR's Rob Stein has details. Revivacor, a Blacksburg, Virginia biotech company, allowed NPR to become the first news organization to tour its research farm. The farm is breeding cloned pigs that have been genetically modified to have hearts, livers, kidneys, and other organs that could be transplanted into people to alleviate the chronic shortage of organs. The company is testing the organs in baboons and people who have been declared brain dead and has even transplanted pig hearts into two men who had run out of options. Rob Stein, NPR News, near Blacksburg, Virginia. Japan's long-term plans for decommissioning the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant is encountering more hurdles. 
Authorities say they again had to abandon attempts to send in drones to examine molten fuel debris. About 880 tons of radioactive melted nuclear fuel remain inside three reactors that were damaged when a powerful earthquake and tsunami destroyed the Fukushima plant's power supply and cooling system in 2011. In order for the plant to be decommissioned, treated radioactive water has to be gradually released into the ocean. The process is expected to take at least 30 years. The Nasdaq is up 60 points. The S&P has risen 8 and the Dow is down 54 points. It's NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Subaru, featuring the 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and all-terrain tires, it's designed for paths not yet taken. Learn more at Subaru.com slash wilderness. Good afternoon and welcome to Noon Hour Magazine here on Allegheny Mountain Radio. It's six minutes after 12 o'clock. We're at 35 degrees under sunny skies here at the Frost Studios. We'll let you know more about that weather in a few minutes. In our local news today, we are going to hear about a second threat at Highland County High School um, and what the response for that is. We are also going to hear a story from Virginia Public Radio about chestnut research and the uh, Allegheny Mountain String Project will have a performance in Highland County coming up this Sunday. We'll have all of our usual noon hour features coming your way. We've got, uh, we'll let you know what's coming up in the listening area, of course. Let's get started with local news. This is Britt Chambers with an Allegheny Mountain Radio News Nugget. On the afternoon of Wednesday, February 28th, Parents of Highland County School students received a message from Superintendent Dr. Drew Mayers via robocall and push notifications. The message reads, quote, HCPS Families, this is Superintendent Drew Mayers informing you that another threatening message was written on the girls' high school bathroom stall this morning. This threat identified a specific staff member. HCPS and the Highland County Sheriff's Office are working together to investigate these threats and to ensure the safety of our students and staff. Thank you. In a statement released to press later in the evening, Dr. Mears addressed parent concerns regarding lockdowns and procedures following the two threats this week. It reads, quote, The Highland High School office was notified of an additional threatening message written in the girls' bathroom Wednesday morning. All inappropriate or threatening messages are reviewed by the school administration and, when appropriate, the school resource officer and the sheriff's office. Wednesday's message was reviewed by all parties and was deemed to be neither an immediate danger nor an imminent risk to students or staff. Please know HCPS takes all threats seriously and will always make the safety of our students and staff our priority. AMR News will keep you informed of this developing story. (music) 
150 years ago, American chestnut trees provided food for people and animals throughout the eastern United States as well as lumber. Then, a fungus from Asia nearly wiped them out. Researchers have been working to bring them back, but a genetically modified chestnut program hit a snag last year. As Virginia Public Radio's Roxy Todd reports, this has left chestnut fans wondering what's next. A few miles from Abingdon in southwest Virginia, tens of thousands of chestnut trees are growing in an orchard surrounded by hilly cow pastures. Most of these trees are young, but they're descended from chestnut seedlings that researchers bred a hundred years ago. With each successive generation, you're trying to retain as much resistance as possible. Vasily Lakoba is director of research with the American Chestnut Foundation and heads up the foundation's first and largest research orchards here in Meadowview. A groundhog scurries in the grass as we head over to look at one tree, a hybrid Chinese and American chestnut. Well, when we say hybrids, we mean that the genetics of the two species become mixed. This isn't genetic modification done in a lab. This is someone nudging the tree along. When you, as a person, take pollen from one tree that you've collected and you put it on the female flowers of another tree, scientists have been trying to help restore chestnuts this way since the early 1900s. Research. In New York, meanwhile, have been working on something entirely different—a genetically modified American chestnut called Darling 58. They found a way to insert a gene from wheat into an American chestnut, supposedly making it resistant to the blight. But recently, the American Chestnut Foundation announced they're no longer supporting the Darling GMO project. We have evidence that the trees are not performing well in the field. Sarah Fern Fitzsimmons is with the American Chestnut Foundation. She says the GMO trees are growing slowly and don't appear to resist the blight after a year. They also discovered a genetic deficiency. The darling trees have two missing genes that chestnuts need to be healthy. The wheat gene, she says, replaced them. This could explain why the darling trees have stunted growth. Andy Newhouse disagrees. The darling chestnuts are still the most promising option we have. He's the director of the chestnut project at the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry, where researchers develop the darling line of chestnuts. We're moving forward. We're studying the trees. We're working to improve them. Newhouse's team has applied to the United States Department of Agriculture for permission to release their GMO trees. The USDA could make a decision this year. Meanwhile, other genetic researchers here in Virginia are working to better understand the specific genes that help some chestnut trees resist the blight. Inside a lab on Virginia Tech's campus, researcher Amy Bruner points to dozens of seedlings sprouting in tiny plastic boxes. Grow lights give the room an almost X-Files vibe. This is actually really cool. These seedlings were recently sprouted from nuts collected on orchards in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Bruner says the future of this science could include both genetic modification as well as traditional hybrid breeding. Compared to crops, the amount of researchers that are focused on forest trees. Using the type of research we do, the molecular genetics and genomics is is relatively small. Her colleague John McDowell is also hoping to study the genetic sequence of the fungus that causes blight, which could help restore American chestnuts back to the forests. They used to be keystone species in the eastern forests. They were great sources of timber and food. They underpinned a lot of local economies. Back on the Meadowview Orchard, Lakoba points to another young hybrid chestnut tree that shows promise. 
It's tall and straight, and its nuts look similar to American chestnuts. And after 15 years, it appears to be fighting off blight. So at this point, it's not perfect. It's not the best ideal, but it's getting much closer. Exactly. Genetic research can speed up the process, but Lacoba says it may take a hundred more years for scientists to get an ideal tree that will survive in the wild. He says one single solution won't solve it. It will take different breeding methods and scientists across the country to return chestnuts back to the forests. In Meadowview, I'm Roxy Todd. Thanks to Virginia Public Radio for the information in this story. Have you ever wondered about the violin, viola, cello, and string bass students coming in and out of the Highland Center during the late afternoons and evenings during the week? These students are part of the Allegheny Mountain String Project, a string program that began in 2010 and has now been around for 14 years. You've seen the string players perform at the Highland Farmers Market each summer and at the Veterans Day celebrations at the school or play on the annual Christmas program at the school or even marching in the Highland Fair Parade. These students are from the Highland Studio under the direction of Greta Sandberg and are part of a larger string program that covers not only Highland but Bath and Allegheny counties as well as some students from West Virginia. There are, at present, 57 students enrolled in the Allegheny Mountain String Project, or AMSP. Students from the Highland Studio will perform a solo recital on Sunday, March 3rd at 3 p.m. at the Highland Center. All are welcome, and there is no cost for admission. The AMSP began with two string teachers who believed in the magic of string playing and wanted to start a program here in the mountains. Greta Sandberg, a teacher who had taught high school orchestras and elementary string programs for 44 years in the public schools, partnered with Jamie McArdle, a violinist who had come to Bath County and wanted to teach. The program was, at the beginning, under the financial sponsorship of the Garth Newell Music Center. After several years, the AMSP became part of the educational programs of Garth Newell. The program is a comprehensive string education program, including private lessons, group lessons, chamber music ensembles, and has included a youth orchestra for all children of school age within driving distance of activities in Allegheny, Bath, and Highland counties. AMSP students learn to play a wide variety of musical styles, from bluegrass to bop based on the guidelines of the American music system, which includes American and Appalachian folk songs and fiddle tunes for early instruction. Scholarships are available through funding from the Allegheny Foundation, Bath County Arts Council, the Community Foundation for the Central Blue Ridge, the Highland County Arts Council, the Bowler Ruritan Club, and private donations. AMSP believes that everyone should have the opportunity to gain experience in playing a string instrument no matter their financial situation. Activities take place at the Garth Newell Music Center, the Highland Center in Monterey, in various locations in Covington, Millborough, and Clifton Forge. Come see all of the progress the Highland students have made this year at the Highland Center on March 3rd at 3 p.m. For AMR News, I'm Britt Chambers. 
Programming on Allegheny Mountain Radio is supported by Hugel Septic Services. They offer septic pumping and minor repairs. To make an appointment, their phone number is 540-487-9737, and they can be found on Facebook at Hugel Septic Services. It is 17 minutes after 12 o'clock. You're listening to Noon Air Magazine here on Allegheny Mountain Radio. Sunny and blustery today. Highs in the low 30s to the mid 40s. Northwest winds at 15 to 25 miles per hour. Could seek us up to 40 miles per hour. Those winds expected to diminish in the afternoon. Clear to partly cloudy skies tonight with lows in the 20s and light and variable winds. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow morning, then cloudy in the afternoon with a chance of rain or freezing rain. Highs in the upper 30s to the mid 40s with light winds out of the south. A possible wintry mix tomorrow night, rain, freezing rain or snow in the evening, then rain after midnight. Lows in the low to mid 30s, light and variable winds. For Saturday, cloudy with rain in the morning, then partly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the low to mid 50s, cloudy Saturday night with lows in the mid 30s to the mid 40s. Jeanette in Bowler, a high of 58, low 25, 22 this morning, 0.59 inches of rain. Keith in in Bluegrass, high 57, low 23, 19 this morning, a peak wind gust of 44 miles per hour. That's pretty stout. Uh, 0.56 inches of rain. Jason in Bartow, high 54, low 18, 19 degrees this morning, 0.71 inches of precipitation. And Irwin in Slady Fork, high 63, low 29, 19 degrees this morning, a peak wind gust of 25 miles per hour and three inches of rain, uh, which is not hard to believe. Some pretty ferocious storms going through our listening area yesterday. Highland School Board or Highland County School Board will hold an emergency closed session this afternoon. That is at 2 p.m. in the high school library. The VDOT Street street Sweeper is operating in Highland County this week. Uh, They're in Monterey, Bluegrass, and McDowell, and they would appreciate vehicles not being parked on the street if possible during this week. Pocahontas Parks and Recreation Dance Classes taught by Adrian Cedarleaf coming up this afternoon at Hillsborough Elementary. Dance Basics for ages 4 to 5 from 4 to 4.45 p.m. And intro, Intro to Modern Dance for kids ages 6 to 10 is from 5 to 6 p.m. Highland County Public Schools Special Education Advisory Committee meeting will be this evening from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the high school library. We have some funeral notices to share with you today. Reverend Jerry Roger Weimer, age 75, of New Bern, North Carolina, passed away on Saturday, February 24th, at Carolina East Medical Center in New Bern. The funeral service will be held tomorrow at 2 p.m. at Obaugh Funeral Home. A committal service will follow at the Bluegrass Cemetery. The staff of Obaugh Funeral Home will receive friends and family wishing to pay their respects 
today between the hours of 9 and 5 p.m. at the funeral home. Again, that's Reverend Jerry Weimer, who passed away February 24th. Memorial contributions may be made to the Church of God at 422 Pine Street in New Bern, North Carolina. Condolences and memories may be shared at obafuneralhome.com. Constance Connie Ann Corley Matheny, age 90, of Millborough, Virginia, passed away Tuesday, February 20th at her daughter's home in Andover, Ohio. The funeral will be Saturday at noon at the Woodland Church with Mike, her son, Mike Matheny, officiating. Burial will be at the Matheny Family Cemetery. Friends may call Saturday one hour prior to the services from 11 a.m. to noon at Woodland Church. Again, that's Constance Connie Ann Corley Matheny of Millborough, who passed away February 20th. Memorial donations may be made to the Bath County Historical Society in Warm Springs, Virginia. Online condolences may be shared at mclaughlinandyoung.com. Ruby Jane Kerr Vance, age 75, formerly of Greenbank, passed away Thursday, February 22nd. The funeral will be Saturday at 1 p.m. at Liberty Presbyterian Church in Greenbank with Pastor David Rittenhouse. Burial will be at the Arborvale Cemetery Annex. Again, that's Ruby Jane Kerr Vance, formerly of Greenbank, who passed away February 22nd. Memorial donations may be made to a Pocahontas charity of your choice on her behalf. Condolences may be shared at wallaceandwallacefh.com. Harley Bub Bayless, age 88, of Richwood, passed away Sunday, February 18th at home. A graveside service will be held Saturday at 2 p.m. at the Wanless Cemetery in Cass with Pastor Dale Bayless. Again, that's Harley Bub Bayless of Richwood, who passed away February 18th. Online condolences may be shared at lancefuneralhome.com. Dottie L. Kellison, age 87, of Marlinton, passed away February 22nd at home. The funeral will be Sunday at 2 p.m. at Lance Funeral Home in Buckeye with Pastor David Lee. She will be cremated in keeping with her wishes. Friends may call Sunday afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m. at Lance Funeral Home. Again, that's Dottie L. Kellison of Marlinton, who passed away February 22nd. Online condolences may be shared at Marlinton. Memorial donations may be made to Marlinton Presbyterian Church or the Pocahontas Humane Society. Online condolences may be shared at lancefuneralhome.com. Daily funeral announcements are brought to you by Oba Funeral Home. 
with locations in both McDowell and Warm Springs, Virginia. They have served families for over 95 years. Information and online obituaries can be found at obafuneralhome.com. They may be reached at 540-839-3451 for their Bath County location and 540-396-3451 for assistance in Highland County. Stardate February 29th. The remaining dates of 2024 will take a big leap. They'll jump over a day of the week. That's because this is leap year, and today is leap day, extending the year from 365 days to 366. Leap years are needed to keep the calendar in sync with the seasons. Without it, the equinoxes and solstices would slide across the calendar. So after many centuries, the spring equinox would happen in February, with the winter solstice backing into November. And over the ages, the shift would grow even larger. The modern calendar is based on one instituted by Julius Caesar. It had a 365-day year, with a leap day added to every fourth year, for an average of 365 and a quarter days per year. But the true year is about 11 minutes shorter than that average, so the calendar drifted out of alignment with the seasons. To fix that problem, in 1582, Pope Gregory XIII instituted an update. Under this calendar, three leap days are dropped off for every 400 years. With this change, the difference between the calendar year and the astronomical year adds up to one day every 3,300 years. The name leap year comes from the fact that the extra day causes succeeding dates to leap over a day of the week. For example, Christmas fell on a Monday last year. Without the leap day this year, it would fall on Tuesday. But with the extra day, it will leap over Tuesday and fall on Wednesday. For the University of Texas at Austin McDonald Observatory, I'm Billy Henry. Stardate comes to you on these stations with the help of the Green Bank Observatory in Green Bank, West Virginia. GBO is a facility of the National Science Foundation. This is DJ Willie and Ari for Allegheny Mountain Radio. We present the 22nd Annual Bath Bluegrass Jamboree scheduled for April the 13th at the Bath County High School from 6 to 9 p.m. We have two pairs of the tickets that will be given away on Bluegrass Reflections on April the 7th. Scheduled to perform this year is Williamson Branch, The Ruckus Band, and Southern Rail Express. Give us a call at... 540-839-5400. That's right. we got a wonderful bath, bluegrass, jamboree. Make plans to attend. It's going to be fabulous this year. Once again, them two pairs of tickets. Give us a call at... 540-839-5400. Scheduled to perform as Williamson Branch. The Ruckus Fan and Southern Rail Express. We'll see you there. It's going to be a large time. Get your name in the hat. From the Farm Credit Studios, this is On the Farm Radio, rural and agricultural news coming up next. Well, today's program is made possible in part by a longtime sponsor of On the Farm Radio, and we appreciate their support, FeedWorks USA. 
They provide specialty feed ingredients for the livestock industry. More information at FeedWorksUSA.com. On the Farm Radio is pleased to promote and support the National FFA Organization. Young people involved in agricultural education and leadership today will be our next generation of agriculturalists tomorrow. Contact your local FFA chapter to see how you can support our next generation of farmers and agribusiness leaders. More information at FFA.org. You're listening to On the Farm Radio with Jeff Ishii. Looking at rural and agricultural news all around the eastern United States, dairy farmers in Pennsylvania continue to monitor fluid milk prices as we conclude the month of February. Prices that farmers receive for their milk, those prices have been volatile over the past six months, going anywhere from $15 per hundredweight to $19 per hundredweight. A state-of-the-art research facility recently opened in Georgia that will allow agricultural scientists to develop new technologies in what they call climate-smart agriculture. One of the areas of research is crop genetics and breeding. The facility is located at the Tifton campus of the University of Georgia. And in Virginia, young farmers associated with Farm Bureau visited their legislators in Richmond a few days ago to support ag in the classroom. Young farmers donated a new book entitled Logan's Greenhouse. They donated that book to members of the Virginia General Assembly. Legislators were encouraged to either read the book or donate the book to a school in their district. Stay tuned. Your daily pearl of wisdom is coming up next. Which oak grows well beside a river or stream? And what's a great tree to plant on a dry hillside? At the National Arbor Day Foundation website, arborday.org, you'll find out what tree to plant where. See how trees can add value to your home and cut your energy costs. Go to arborday.org for whatever you need to know about trees. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's arborday.org. Today we send out a big old salute to all of our listeners in Sanford, North Carolina. They're tuned in to radio station Joy FM, FM 102.3 in beautiful Sanford, North Carolina. Our Pearl of Wisdom today, this one came in way back in 2007 by email from listener Esther Shank. Esther says, it's not the things you get, but the lives you touch that will determine your success in life. Thank you, Esther, for that pearl of wisdom. You're on the farm, and I'm Ish. Allegheny Mountain Radio thanks Rockingham Cooperative Ace Hardware for supporting On the Farm. They supply backyard poultry growers, offer livestock handling equipment, feed, and bulk fertilizer. Rockingham Cooperative Ace Hardware is open Monday through Friday, 7.30 till 5, and Saturday, 7.30 till noon. They are located on Wilson Avenue off Main Street in Monterey. Now the latest from VNN, the Virginia News Network. MS-13 gang members will spend years in prison for the murder of a teenager in Fairfax County. Edwin Calvero was sentenced Wednesday to 25 years in prison. He was previously found to be one of the several gang members who kidnapped and ultimately murdered a 14-year-old teenage boy in 2016. Fifteen states will hold primaries Super Tuesday, but local political analysts believe Virginia may be the only one worth watching. BCU political science professor Alex Kinnase said yesterday he expects Tuesday to be an unusually sleepy Super Tuesday, but the Republican primary in Virginia could shake things up. 
Kina says Donald Trump has never won a general election in Virginia with his name on the ballot, and that could pose an opening for Nikki Haley. He says this seems like the place she would have to win if she has a chance, so that could make the race really interesting. Haley will be in Richmond today for a rally at the Westin. Marijuana legislation is hitting the desk of the governor. Lawmakers have passed legislation that would allow retail sales of marijuana for recreational use on Wednesday. The bill would have the state begin accepting applications on September 1st for cultivation, testing, processing, and sales of marijuana. The legal sales would begin on May 1st of next year with a tax rate of just over 11.6%. The bill now goes to Governor Glenn Youngkin for his signature, but he has not indicated whether he will sign the measure into law. I'm Richard Stelling. Officials say archaeologists uncovered ancient skulls and bones stacked on top of each other at a site in Mexico. The findings were made in a small town in Jalisco. Researchers found a funeral system where bones were carefully arranged. Skulls were placed in one area with long bones like femurs placed in another part of the system. Officials say the bones were put in patterns after they had become skeletonized. The remains are being preserved for more research. I'm Rebecca Hughes. This is VNN, the Virginia News Network. 27 minutes before 1 o'clock, you're listening to New Nair Magazine here on Allegheny Mountain Radio. If your child cannot make it to the dance classes taught by Adrian Cedarleaf today in Hillsborough, they have another chance to. Uh, those classes are also being held on Fridays at the Community Center in uh, Wellness Center in Marlinton. The four- to five-year-old classes are from 3.30 to 4.15, and the Intro to Modern Dance for six- to ten-year-olds is from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. on Fridays. Yoga with Shannon Harriman meets tomorrow, 3.45 to 5 p.m. at the Highland Center. The class is for all abilities and skill levels. You can find more information at programs at thehighlandcenter.org. Bath County Schools are looking for businesses and organizations to take part in their career fair. That's coming up on April 12th from 9 to 3 p.m. More information from Jane Hall at 540-839-5307, extension 230. The deadline to register for that uh, career fair is tomorrow. The Highland County Recycling Trailer will be at the Bluegrass Ruritan Building tomorrow through Sunday. And a square dance with Juanita Fireball and the Continental Drifters and callers Eugene and Ellen Ratcliffe is coming up on Saturday, March 23rd at the Durban Firehouse. Beginning at 6 p.m., there will also be a bake sale, 50-50 drawing, and more. Proceeds will benefit Brandon Kerr. I wanna wanna wish you a happy birthday. I wanna wanna help you celebrate. I wanna wanna wish you lots of presents. I wanna wanna. All right, we do not have any local. Uh, Leap Day birthdays that we know of here in our listening area. We do have some other Leap Leap Day babies on our list today, and those include Ann Lee, who is founder of the Shakers Religious Sect, William Harvey Carney, who is a Civil War soldier and the first African American to be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, Jimmy Dorsey, big band leader and rapper Jarul, or Jarul. I'm not sure. 
Most kids take their piano lessons at school or at a neighbor's house. But Hazel Scott was always a bit above chopsticks. You're on the sound beat. Hazel Scott was a child prodigy, playing by three and improvising on the keys by five. She received formal training at none other than the Juilliard School of New York, where she won a classical music scholarship at age eight. She would blend her classical training with the smooth sounds of jazz, blues, and popular songs, and was a cafe society star by the late 1930s. It would become her signature sound. Swinging the classics. Here she is with "Rainy Night in G." How did Billie Holiday take a dive for Scott? We'll tell you at soundbeat.org. Soundbeat is produced at the Belfer Audio Archive at Syracuse University. I'm Brett Barry. Support for Allegheny Mountain Radio comes from the Virginia Education Association. Resources for parents and teachers at veanea.org. Because a good education is good for everybody. Space is not all that far away. Traveling straight up long before you reached an altitude of 20 miles above the Earth's surface, you would need a pressurized spacesuit to survive. At an altitude of 70 miles, you would find yourself in the realm of meteors and space weather. At first glance, the sun appears peaceful and constant. In reality, its surface has bubbles of hot ionized gases, which are expelled into space, forming the solar wind. This millions of tons per second river is a steady stream of particles traveling away from the sun at from 800,000 to 5 million miles per second. The Earth's magnetic field protects us from this potentially lethal radiation. However, occasionally, the effects of a solar outburst can reach the surface of our planet. On March the 9th, 1989, 6 million people lost electric power in Quebec when a powerful geomagnetic storm was created by a coronal mass ejection following a very large flare on the solar surface. If a twice as powerful solar eruption in 2012 had happened a week earlier, the blast of radiation would have caused widespread power blackouts, disabling everything that plugs into a wall socket as well as the water and sewer systems which rely on electric pumps. As luck would have it, in 2012, the billions of tons of plasma, solar burp, tore through the Earth's orbit when we weren't there. For the latest in what's happening above you, check out spaceweather.com. For Travelers in the Night, this is Dr. Al Grauer. Go to travelersinthenight.org, program 516, for more information. Here's today's edition of Health and Heartbeat. For those who love sushi, here's something to remember. Japanese wasabi might boost short and long-term memory in older adults. We all know the sushi condiment from the often pungent blast that punches the nose more than our taste buds. Wasabi cultivation dates to the 8th century, 
but it only became better known in the United States after 1980 with the rising popularity of sushi. We already know from work in the laboratory that wasabi might improve cognition, yet studies were few and improved intellectual capabilities had not been tested in older adults. So Japanese researchers recently took a closer look. They recruited 72 people ages 60 to 80 and separated them into two equal groups. One group took a 100 milligram wasabi tablet every day for three months. The second group got a placebo. Afterward, the cognition of volunteers was measured, including language and reasoning skills, concentration, and memory. Scientists discovered that the wasabi group's long and short-term memory improved significantly compared with the control group. They found no effect in other cognitive functions. More testing is being done to explore wasabi's benefits. Physicians aren't writing wasabi prescriptions just yet. The spice is also known for being rich in vitamin C and has antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties. Indeed, researchers say wasabi might reduce inflammation in the areas of the brain responsible for memory. It's important to remember that diet and exercise also play an important part in keeping our minds sharp. There's no single elixir for good brain health. In the meantime, a sushi lunch just might hit the spot. This edition of Health in a Heartbeat is brought to you by University of Florida Health, committed to advancing excellence in patient care, research, and education, and by WUFTFM. For more information or to subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter, please visit our website, heartbeatradio.org. Safe Home Systems is a supporter of Allegheny Mountain Radio. They are advocates for domestic, dating, and sexual violence, and provides counseling, crisis intervention, emergency shelter, court advocacy, and educational programs for Allegheny, Bath, and Highland counties. For more information, the 24-hour hotline is 1-877-393-3672. Programming on Allegheny Mountain Radio is sponsored by Monterey Inn. Located at 32 West Main Street in Monterey, they are open for reservations at 540-495-0070 or online at montereynva.com and are now offering breakfast and lunch to the public Thursday through Sunday from 7 a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m. Fusion Energy. I'm Randy Simon, and this is EarthWise, a look at our changing environment. Nuclear fusion is the process that powers the sun. Two atoms of hydrogen unite to form one helium atom and release energy in the process. Hydrogen bombs work in this way, and since their development in the 1950s, scientists have sought a way to use fusion to generate electricity. Many scientists believe that the key to a fully decarbonized future is a combination of solar, wind, and fusion power. Nuclear fusion does not involve radioactivity and thus does not have the dangers associated with the nuclear fission used in existing power plants. Over the decades, billions of dollars have gone into fusion research, but the challenges faced in peacefully triggering a fusion reaction have made success seem to be extremely far off in the future. The world's largest fusion project, the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, or ITER, was initiated in 1985. The project involves 35 countries, and the reactor still under construction in France has yet to deliver any tangible results. In the past couple of years, there have been important demonstrations of new and different ways to create nuclear fusion. A system using laser fusion achieved fusion ignition, in which a reaction briefly became self-sustaining. 
A system using magnetic confinement fusion produced a plasma that generated 11 megawatts of power for a world record five seconds. There are more than 30 companies competing in the race to deliver fusion energy. Governments and private investors are funding efforts around the world. Whether any of them will succeed remains to be seen. The challenges are immense, but so are the potential rewards. Earthwise is a production of WAMC. Find us on social media at WAMC Radio and listen anytime at WAMCpodcasts.org. It is 15 minutes before 1 o'clock. Let's have a look at our weather forecast. Sunny, blustery today, highs in the low 30s to the mid 40s. Clear to partly cloudy tonight, lows in the 20s. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow morning, then cloudy in the afternoon with a chance of rain or freezing rain. Highs in the upper 30s to the mid 40s. For tomorrow night, rain, freezing rain or snow, a good possibility in the evening. Then rain after midnight with lows in the low to mid 30s. Saturday, cloudy with rain in the morning, then partly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the low to mid 50s. Cloudy Saturday night with lows in the mid-30s to the mid-40s. We're going to have another listen to our local news stories. This is Britt Chambers with an Allegheny Mountain Radio News Nugget. On the afternoon of Wednesday, February 28th, parents of Highland County School students received a message from Superintendent Dr. Drew Mayers via robocall and push notifications. The message reads, quote, HCPS Families. This is Superintendent Drew Mayers informing you that another threatening message was written on the girls' high school bathroom stall this morning. This threat identified a specific staff member. HCPS and the Highland County Sheriff's Office are working together to investigate these threats and to ensure the safety of our students and staff. Thank you. In a statement released to press later in the evening, Dr. Mears addressed parent concerns regarding lockdowns and procedures following the two threats this week. It reads, quote, The Highland High School office was notified of an additional threatening message written in the girls' bathroom Wednesday morning. All inappropriate or threatening messages are reviewed by the school administration and, when appropriate, the school resource officer and the sheriff's office. Wednesday's message was reviewed by all parties and was deemed to be neither an immediate danger nor an imminent risk to students or staff. Please know HCPS takes all threats seriously and will always make the safety of our students and staff our priority. AMR News will keep you informed of this developing story. wondered about the violin, viola, cello, and string-based students coming in and out of the Highland Center during the late afternoons and evenings during the week? These students are part of the Allegheny Mountain String Project, a string program that began in 2010 and has now been around for 14 years. 
You've seen the string players perform at the Highland Farmers Market each summer and at the Veterans Day celebrations at the school or play on the annual Christmas program at the school or even marching in the Highland Fair Parade. These students are from the Highland Studio under the direction of Greta Sandberg and are part of a larger string program that covers not only Highland but Bath and Allegheny counties as well as some students from West Virginia. There are, at present, 57 students enrolled in the Allegheny Mountain String Project, or AMSP. Students from the Highland Studio will perform a solo recital on Sunday, March 3rd at 3 p.m. at the Highland Center. All are welcome, and there is no cost for admission. The AMSP began with two string teachers who believed in the magic of string playing and wanted to start a program here in the mountains. Greta Sandberg, a teacher who had taught high school orchestras and elementary string programs for 44 years in the public schools, partnered with Jamie McArdle, a violinist who had come to Bath County and wanted to teach. The program was, at the beginning, under the financial sponsorship of the Garth Newell Music Center. After several years, the AMSP became part of the educational programs of Garth Newell. The program is a comprehensive string education program, including private lessons, group lessons, chamber music ensembles, and has included a youth orchestra for all children of school age within driving distance of activities in Allegheny, Bath, and Highland counties. AMSP students learn to play a wide variety of musical styles, from bluegrass to Bach based on the guidelines of the American music system, which includes American and Appalachian folk songs and fiddle tunes for early instruction. Scholarships are available through funding from the Allegheny Foundation, Bath County Arts Council, the Community Foundation for the Central Blue Ridge, the Highland County Arts Council, the Bowler Ruritan Club, and private donations. AMSP believes that everyone should have the opportunity to gain experience in playing a string instrument no matter their financial situation. Activities take place at the Garth Newell Music Center, the Highland Center in Monterey, in various locations in Covington, Millborough, and Clifton Forge. Come see all of the progress the Highland students have made this year at the Highland Center on March 3rd at 3 p.m. For AMR News, I'm Britt Chambers. One hundred fifty years ago, American chestnut trees provided food for people and animals throughout the eastern United States, as well as lumber. Then, a fungus from Asia nearly wiped them out. Researchers have been working to bring them back, but a genetically modified chestnut program hit a snag last year. As Virginia Public Radio's Roxy Todd reports, this has left chestnut fans wondering, what's next? A few miles from Abingdon in southwest Virginia... Tens of thousands of chestnut trees are growing in an orchard surrounded by hilly cow pastures. Most of these trees are young, but they're descended from chestnut seedlings that researchers bred a hundred years ago. With each successive generation, you're trying to retain as much resistance as possible. Vasily Lakoba is director of research with the American Chestnut Foundation and heads up the foundation's first and largest research orchards here in Meadowview. A groundhog scurries in the grass as we head over to look at one tree, a hybrid Chinese and American chestnut. Well, when we say hybrids, we mean that the genetics of the two species 
become mixed. This isn't genetic modification done in a lab. This is someone nudging the tree along. When you as a person take pollen from one tree that you've collected and you put it on the female flowers of another tree. Scientists have been trying to help restore chestnuts this way since the early 1900s. Researchers in New York, meanwhile, have been working on something entirely different, a genetically modified American chestnut called Darling 58. They found a way to insert a gene from wheat into an American chestnut, supposedly making it resistant to the blight. But recently, the American Chestnut Foundation announced they're no longer supporting the Darling GMO project. We have evidence that the trees are not performing well in the field. Sarah Fern Fitzsimmons is with the American Chestnut Foundation. She says the GMO trees are growing slowly and don't appear to resist the blight after a year. They also discovered a genetic deficiency. The darling trees have two missing genes that chestnuts need to be healthy. The wheat gene, she says, replaced them. This could explain why the darling trees have stunted growth. Andy Newhouse disagrees. The darling chestnuts are still the most promising option we have. He's the director of the Chestnut Project at the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry, where researchers developed the darling line of chestnuts. We're moving forward. We're studying the trees. We're working to improve them. Newhouse's team has applied to the United States Department of Agriculture for permission to release their GMO trees. The USDA could make a decision this year. Meanwhile, other genetic researchers here in Virginia are working to better understand the specific genes that help some chestnut trees resist the blight. Inside a lab on Virginia Tech's campus, researcher Amy Bruner points to dozens of seedlings sprouting in tiny plastic boxes. Grow lights give the room an almost X-Files vibe. This is actually really cool. These seedlings were recently sprouted from nuts collected on orchards in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Bruner says the future of this science could include both genetic modification as well as traditional hybrid breeding. Compared to crops, the amount of researchers that are focused on forest trees using the type of research we do, the molecular genetics and genomics, is, is relatively small. Her colleague, John McDowell, is also hoping to study the genetic sequence of the fungus that causes blight, which could help restore American chestnuts back to the forests. They used to be keystone species in the eastern forests. They were great sources of timber and food. They underpinned a lot of local economies. Back on the Meadowview Orchard, Lacoba points to another young hybrid chestnut tree that shows promise. It's tall and straight, and its nuts look similar to American chestnuts. And after 15 years, it appears to be fighting off blight. So at this point, it's not perfect. It's not the best ideal, but it's getting much closer. Exactly. Genetic research can speed up the process, but Lacoba says it may take a hundred more years for scientists to get an ideal tree that will survive in the wild. He says one single solution won't solve it. It will take different breeding methods and scientists across the country to return chestnuts back to the forests. In Meadowview, I'm Roxy Todd. Thanks to Virginia Public Radio for the information in this story. Senator Shelley Moore Capito believes there needs to be a full trial in the U.S. Senate on the impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The House has sent to us as the Senate an impeachment of uh, Secretary Mayorkas, who's charged with uh, at Homeland Security with making sure the border is safe. And he's failed miserably. That's Capito from a conference call with reporters earlier today. She also noted the decision by her counterpart, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, to step down from his position as Senate Minority Leader. 
Capito said she has great respect for McConnell and has worked with him closely on a number of issues benefiting both Kentucky and West Virginia. Voting is expected to wrap up for union workers at Kroger today. They've been urged to reject a company contract offer. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. are you? A diehard Opera House fan who never misses a performance? Or someone who has never darkened the door there? Perhaps you listen to Allegheny Mountain Radio on the internet from far away. No matter, the Opera House now has a presence on Allegheny Mountain Radio. It's the Opera House Radio Hour, aired every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m., It features musicians who have performed at the Opera House during the past 20 years, along with samplings of upcoming performers. With a rotation of five different hosts, the music can vary quite a lot. Listen in to the Opera House Radio Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. An investigation into a traffic stop that involved State Transportation Secretary Jimmy Riston on I-64 in Kanawha County has yielded new information. Charleston police say although there was alcohol in Riston's breath, he passed two field sobriety tests and was not charged. Now, police say they are also pursuing criminal charges now against a caller to 911 who reported that Riston was driving erratically, which they now say was false. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Sunny and blustery skies today, highs in the low 30s to the mid 40s, clear to partly cloudy tonight, lows in the 20s. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow morning, then cloudy in the afternoon with a chance of rain or freezing rain, highs upper 30s to the mid 40s. Rain, freezing rain or snow, a good possibility tomorrow evening, and then rain after midnight with lows in the low to mid 30s. There's going to be an indoor yard moving sale at 139 Rich Hills Road in Monterey. That's Saturday beginning at 9 a.m. Tools, toys, jigsaw puzzles, Christmas decorations, McCoy pottery, hull pottery, and more. The Bing Brothers featuring Jake Crack will perform at the Pocahontas Opera House in Marlinton Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. It's a night of old-time bluegrass and traditional Irish music. More information at PocahontasOperaHouse.org. You've been listening to Noon Hour Magazine here on Allegheny Mountain Radio, WVMR Frost, West Virginia, 1370 AM, WVLS, Monterey, Virginia, 89.7 FM, WCHG, Hot Springs, Virginia, 107.1 FM, WNMP, Marlinton, West Virginia, 88.5 FM, WVMR-FM, Hillsboro, West Virginia, 91.9 FM, WDMT, Marlinton, West Virginia, 106.3 FM, W278-AL, Durban, West Virginia, 103.5 FM, and online at AlleghenyMountainRadio.org. We've got Soul Survivor coming your way at 1 o'clock. This is an encore show about dancing. It is 1 p.m.